welcome to The Rob Burgess Show. I'm, of course, your host, Rob Burgess. On this, our 231st episode, our returning guest is Ash Burgess. Ash Burgess has been a guest on 31 previous episodes of the podcast. For a complete list, check the show notes. Ash Burgess has a dusty degree in religious studies and an appetite for both high and low culture. She strives to celebrate the best of every season with her young children. Follow her on Instagram at Ash Burgess, all one word, that's A-S-H-B-U-R-G-E-S-S, and subscribe to her YouTube channel. And now on to the show. Probably drink any amount of caffeine. Not any, I shouldn't say that, but my caffeine tolerance is like pretty high lately. Well, I don't know though. Mine is strange in that I feel like I'll have one cup of coffee and it makes me like jittery and anxious. Like it's like a lot of caffeine. But then another time, you know, like I was saying, I like went to sleep halfway through my cup of tea that I was drinking last night to try to stay awake. Mm -hmm. But then what will happen for me is that the caffeine won't keep me awake, but then this didn't happen last night, fortunately, but this happens with coffee sometimes where it doesn't actually keep me awake during the day. Like I'm still feel like I'm nodding off all day. But then, if I get woken up in the night, I can't go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. So it'll be like 4 a.m. and I'll finally get everything situated where I feel like I have a window of sleep. And then I can't do it. And it's the worst when you're like looking at how much time you potentially have to sleep. And the window is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And you're just, it's just not happening for you, you know? I mean, especially with the baby, I feel like... There's already such a thin slice of time where I'll have fed him and gotten him back to sleep and then I could potentially be sleeping before he wakes up to eat again. Mm-hmm. That when I can't go back to sleep during that time, it's just, it can be really uncomfortable. I always think I should use that time more wisely. It's like, if I can't go back to sleep, like this could be the time to really like catch up on some shows that I've been meaning to see or like do some more reading or something, but I'm so tired even though I can't sleep, that I feel like I can't manage to, like, do anything else either sometimes. It was a technique in my Man's Search for Meaning book that I just finished that he said for people that have trouble going to sleep, he tells them to do exactly the opposite and try to stay awake. And it somehow, like, short-circuits the, like, cycle because it's, like... That's interesting. The... It's, like... You feel bad, but then you feel bad for feeling bad. You know, it's like... You... That's Yes, that's my problem, is that I'll be like, I should really sleep, and then I'm like, oh, man. You know? <laughs> but, yeah, maybe I should just be like, all right, I'm going to just stay awake and do all Or just try to, like, read... So I, I usually get pretty tired. That reading. is the thing. If I can actually... If I can wake up enough to be rational enough to tell myself to actually open up my book and start reading or something, I usually will fall asleep. It's just that sometimes I slip into this state where I'm so tired that I'm not as rational as I should be in the middle of the night. And so then I'll be like, I trick myself because I'll tell myself that I, for example, when I'm trying to stay awake because I'm taking care of the baby, the tired version of me will be like, you don't need to read or watch Netflix. You can just sit here with your eyes closed in a state of restful alertness, and that doesn't work. I'm going to fall asleep. But the reverse is also true. You know, I'll think, no, no, you can't let yourself read anything or watch anything. You need to work really hard on sleeping right now while you can. And that just, that doesn't work either, you know? 
Fortunately, though, I have actually managed to read several books lately. As I know of you. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to talk about them, but... Should we do, like, an intro for the show? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. In case no one's figured out who we are. Welcome back to the Rob Burgess Show, Ash Burgess. I've made it back again. Yeah. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. So, my listeners, if they listen to the very last episode, will know that I recorded it mere hours before our latest addition to the family emerged. Yeah. So, what do you, what do you, how can we even, how can we begin to, to talk about that whole experience? I don't know. How do you want to talk about it? I mean, it's such an exciting, it feels like simultaneously, like it happened so recently, and at the same time, I feel so, like, alive right now that it also feels like, like, I've been living so much every day that it feels like it also was a long time ago in a certain sense. Eight weeks to the day. Yeah. Today. Yeah, which, Eight weeks ago today. It, that, and that, when I think about it that way, like, Actually, the actual measurement it? of time, it, I don't think he's quite been born yet. It's getting closer. It's it's closer, because he was, he was born, you know, late. He was late. born, it was like, it was almost crossed over into the next day. Yeah. But when I when you measure it in eight weeks, eight weeks sounds like a lot, and it's gone so fast. I kind of I kind of wish it wouldn't go so fast. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, because he I I actually and I haven't always been able to say this, but I actually really like having like a newborn. Okay. I just want to and I just want to enjoy it more. And not have it be over in in a flash, you know. He's a very good newborn. He's a great newborn. He's really excellent. <laughs> He's growing really well. He's eating voraciously. He seems like he has just a great personality. Mm-hmm. You made him laugh for the first time a few days ago. I did. Which that has to feel pretty good to know for certain that you were like the catalyst of someone's first laugh. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty good, right? Part of the reason to have children is to have someone laugh at your jokes. <laughs> I know you're always saying that you had kids so that they could so someone would laugh at your jokes. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's fair. <laughs> but to elicit the very first laugh, I mean that's kind of magical. Mm-hmm. Of course, you were also the first person that saw his face too. No, no. Yeah, so I, I I was the first one to see him. The first thing of him I saw was not his face. But... Well, you first saw his hair mm-hmm. and were surprised. Mm-hmm. So dark. Yeah. You're very dark and handsome, I can tell. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, I don't know why I was surprised that his hair was so dark and so long. Because one of our children, you know, already was born with long, dark hair. I mm-hmm. guess just two of the two of them were kind of shorter and lighter so for some reason i assumed he was shorter and lighter too and so i don't know why he just took me by surprise i mean that's the thing that's so exciting i mean not the thing that's one thing that i think is so exciting about having babies is the whole time you're pregnant it's just this kind of idea of a person and you might love them already but you don't really know who they are 
it's more like you think about them as like the potential of who they could be, turn out to be. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost like there are multiple people in the sense of like, you know, you can have multiple thoughts about like, oh, they could be this way or that way or the other thing. Mm-hmm. And then when they're born, suddenly they're this one very specific person. They're not any of the other things that they're not, and they are all of the things that they actually are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so it kind of goes from this sort of dream of like who 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 could this be and there's these different possibilities and then it's just actually mm-hmm. an individual right and it's just i don't know why that for some reason that every time that just amazes me i feel like in many ways our children have kind of been who they always have been initially like from the get-go you know in some ways they I have like... i mean i think temperament wise definitely yeah. mm-hmm. definitely like, I definitely think, I've, I've been reading a lot of, like, Charlotte Mason, who is, like, an educator of yours, um, philosophy recently, and one of her things is that children are born persons, and... There's some truth to that. I think there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, because when she says that she's trying to say, you know, you... Because she writes about, you know, educating your child and how to, you know, mold them in certain ways, but she kind of says you can't really mold them. You can steer them and try to you know develop certain habits and good qualities but they are who they are mm-hmm. and don't lose and don't lose sight of that you mm-hmm. know like you're not going to actually be able to turn them into somebody that they're not mm-hmm. and that's definitely true like i do think they are who they are mm-hmm. that's definitely true but it was very exciting he was born at home yes which, it was that wasn't our first time giving birth in, in this very same tub. Um, the great thing is, one day we're not... This is not our forever home. Like, we're not planning to live where we are now forever. And it's a pretty generic sort of a sort of a place. So I feel like whoever lives here after us will just never suspect that two babies were born in the tub that they're just going to be like... Totally generic tub. I mean, you know what I've thought about, and this is a slight sidebar but related, is that when I think about places that we've lived before or that I've lived before, there are certain rooms in those houses I can remember really well, but I almost feel like I almost can't remember the bathrooms very well, which is odd if you think about it because you do visit the bathroom a lot. Mm -hmm. But I guess the bathrooms just haven't been distinct enough, you know, like... Can, like, when we lived in California, how much detail with which can you recall our bathroom? I remember basically where it was in the floor plan. Yes, but, like, if you had to just, like, envision yourself back there. It was between the bedroom and, and the living room. Yeah, like, I remember how you would, you know, turn to go down the hallway and then there was the door that you could turn into to get to the bathroom. Yes. Sure. But I'm talking about, like, envision the interior of the bathroom. Tell me some, like special details about, like, that specific tub or that specific sink. There's a lot of cheap white paint. I think that the shower had one of those sliding doors. Yes. Well, I'm getting that, too. But was it kind of... Was the room kind of a yellowish color? Maybe it was, now that I think about it. But, like, you see what I'm saying? It's it's kind of fuzzy. It's not a crisp memory. Nothing as memorable ever happened. Exactly, but, but I'll always remember giving birth, obviously, in, in, in this bathroom twice. Twice. Whoever lives here we'll will no just idea. be like another generic bathroom that they'll 
live with for a while and then probably take know, a couple baths with it. and not yeah. really like understand the significance of never will they know that two people were secretly born there i feel like there should be like a plaque on the side or something oh, they really should you know how the, you go into a re- you go into a restaurant and it's like this was hokey carmichael's booth <laughs> yes like and i would hazard to guess that in the scale in the grand scale of what different bathtubs experience this has been one of the more successful bathtubs mm-hmm. two people Successfully, yeah. happily born there. I feel like we should both get like some sort of not that I because I don't want to do this for anyone else and I have no like interest in making a career out of this, but like I do feel like we should each get like some sort of like medical like commendations or whatever. Like, <laughs> just want a medical award for very good brewing. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, couldn't I mean, have, couldn't have gone better. Not to brag or anything, but I'm very good at giving birth, apparently. The woman at the hospital even said so. I mean, just because, you know, I just, I think my body just, you know, it's done it enough right times that time. it really knew how to, knows how to do it, you know? Now, he was uh, two days late? Three days? No. I don't like the term late. Sorry, not late, but... I don't like the term late because the idea of a due date, it's like... There's this one particular day that we've decided that somehow your body's just going to give birth. Although Lilac, no, she was she was a couple days past her. She was well, she was she was a couple hours past hours. Yes. Okay. Here's the thing. I do think that due dates have gotten more accurate because of ultrasounds. Yes. Because you know, back when our parents were getting pregnant, most of the time I think the due date was just sort of like, okay, we think that you probably conceived the baby. Roughly on the 14th day of their cycle, and so we'll, because that's probably when you ovulated, because that's the average, so we'll base your due date off of that. Was Emerald close? No, she was like five days after oh. her date. But, um, but I think that now with ultrasounds and stuff, there, and if you have an early ultrasound, which we've had, you know, with all of our kids, we've done a pretty early ultrasound, early enough that they can, you know, do measurements and stuff and say, like, oh, you're exactly, you know, you're measuring however many weeks and however many days specifically pregnant and stuff like that. And I think those kind of measurements probably do yield a more accurate due date. Do you need to pause for a quick yeah, I just, there's just one. <laughs> um, I do think that those measurements yield a more accurate due date. At the same time, though, I don't like the word due date because the idea that we can actually decide that there's a particular date that someone's supposed to be born and that they are early or late if they're even a day on either side of that is just ridiculous. What would you prefer to call it? Okay, well, the problem is that there is a standard that I think a lot of people that are, like, interested in birthing, there is a kind of a standard alternate that people use, and I don't like it either. In fact, it agitates me greatly because, but but for different reasons. It agitates me because I don't like things that are too, like, cute-cutesy or that seem kind of, like, condescending or something. And so some people call it a guest date. Hmm. And something about that just rubs my fur the wrong way. Also. Just doesn't sit right with you. Yeah, so I'm not really happy with that either. I just think that both are not really, like, sure, I think it's helpful to have a general idea of when the baby's probably coming. Mm-hmm. But having a due date has, in every pregnancy that I've had, been a source of stress, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Just as far as, like, 
interaction with, you know, whatever, you know, birth care that I was having, interaction with medical workers. Because I do feel like there's a certain amount of pressure. I mean, it's the beginning of your pregnancy, of course, it's like stay pregnant. But then suddenly that flips when you get to a certain point and then it's like, don't be late, don't be overdue, because then it's like you're in danger of being, trying, you know, having someone try to pressure you into an induction or a C-section or something that you don't want. And I, I resent that. Like, I would like to just be able to relax. And I, I attempted to kind of relax this time and just be like, you know, I'm not going to be, like, pressured into anything. I'm going to let it happen when I want to. I'm not going to, like, get into my head about being like, oh, no, you better be born. But... Still, anyway, yes, he was he was pretty close to the day that we thought he would be coming. And I, I had some pressure that I put on myself in the sense that had he been a week past his due date, he would have been born on one of our other children's birthdays, and I really didn't want that to happen. So I was sort of invested in him coming out before then. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want it to be really close. I wanted, you know, a couple days leeway, which we did end up getting. Mm-hmm. Definitely. But, but yeah, no, I think I apparently am good at giving birth. Very it's good. Been, it's been a great experience for me. Mm-hmm. And I think people who've not considered... Or who just, it's outside of their wildest dreams that they would just kind of give birth in their bathtub. Imagine that it would be, like, a really <laughs> terrible emergency scenario. Yeah, I can't tell you how many people who I've told this to are like, What a nightmare. <laughs> I can't even imagine. When actually, I would say it's among the top best things that have, like, ever happened. Incredible, yeah. And... Obviously, I know that there are reasons why someone might need or want to go to the hospital, but barring those reasons, I feel like it's so much better than being at the hospital that if more people tried it, a lot less people would ever end up going to the hospital. Isn't that the truth? Although, as we've talked about with the typical condom user... (laughs) Do we really want the average person taking something? Yeah, the maybe maybe it's better that the average. I mean, I don't want to toot our own horn or anything, but I think we are above average. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Like a lot of people probably could use. Do you the want the hoi polloi out there like a attempting institutionalized this? situation to make sure everything goes well? Yeah, so that's why I'm saying I I'm never going to be one of those people that says just because something is good for me means that other people should be doing it. If you are capable, <laughs> able, willing, interested. It's, it's something to like consider. something to think about. Yeah. I guess my thought is that even if you do want to have a totally like standard hospital birth, I think your best shot at having a great birth is to realize two things. First of all, it's not necessarily a medical emergency. No. It is a medically intense life endeavor. Which, of course, you know, sometimes does end up being a medical emergency. But it's not inherently a medical emergency. But it ha- that happens at the hospital, too, and sometimes they, they're the ones that screw it up. Sure. No, I'm just saying that I think that going into it, wherever you're giving birth, realizing it's not actually a medical emergency, 
is going to help you to have a better time. It's not really a medical emergency. It's a, it's a medically intense situation. It's not mm-hmm. inherently an emergency unless you have some issue that you know about that is, in fact, causing it to be an emergency. But otherwise, assuming it's just a normal, healthy pregnancy, it's not a medical problem. And then the other thing, I think, and I guess this is related in a sense, because, I mean, that was kind of something that I'm saying you should realize, but just in general, I think so much of giving birth is, we think of it, I think, in preparation, when you've not done it before, you think so much of it as a physical, mm-hmm. and I think it the thing that makes the most difference is all mental. Yeah, it's, it's between the ears, I think. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you said that your use of the meditation techniques that we had learned was helpful. Yes, and those weren't even, like, specific for birth medication techniques. Those were just general General mindfulness techniques about, like, just kind of how to think about, you know, an intense experience that you're having or a painful experience or a moment that you're trying to get through. Mm-hmm. I think the combination of using those kind of meditation and mindfulness techniques that we've studied together, and then also the other mental thing for me was just realizing that you can't run from the pain or the intensity. Mm. Because I think that I've had a pretty, like in one of my previous birthing experiences, I feel like I definitely was trying to kind of get away from the pain. Mm-hmm. And I think that caused me to kind of go inward in a way mm-hmm. that left me feeling almost almost a little bit like post-traumatic stressy like afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like I just felt very like overstimulated by the world, like almost like I had trouble kind of coming back out. Like I went so far into myself to try to escape. Mm-hmm. And I think that like, Realizing that you're not going to run away from it, you're not going to hide from it, you you won't have to stay present and be, like, go through it. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that made a huge difference for me. That's a good, that's a good thought. You didn't really make all that much noise either, I thought. I just feel like every time I've gotten better at, like, handling the situation. Kind of just, well, it was just kind of one high-pitched kind of note. But that was when you knew that things were real serious, though, so, I mean. Yeah, well. That's when I started seeing uh, some changes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> changes of, of shape. I also, I mean, I think, to be fair, I think it was a combination of I think I handled it better. I also think I was wanting to be considerate of our kids. I didn't want them to be alarmed. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. But I do think I was able to kind of get myself in a state where I was, like, making choices about, you know. I think the thing is, like... I think in birth you should be free, feel free to vocalize as necessary, but that also, you know, allows you to be, be free to make decisions about what you want to do and how you want to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, no, it's just an amazing experience. So you never went for the standing up, squatting technique that I've seen people do. That has never seemed like a good idea to me. 
You know what I'm talking about. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Just The thing is, I think once you're in labor, like, no matter what you plan ahead of, like, before ever being in labor, like, at all, like, before ever having any kids and being in labor, you know, there are certain things that I read about and thought that I would want to do. You really can't know for sure what you're actually going to want to do until you're actually laboring... Okay, like, for example, this time, at the point when I knew that I was seriously in labor, because, I mean, this was a very fast labor, Mm -hmm. but at the point when I knew I was seriously in labor, but before I decided to get in the tub, I had you rubbing my back for a little while. Mm -hmm. And that's a perfect example of something that, while not in labor, to me, was, like, kind of part of my plan that seemed like it might be a good idea... But when actually in labor, I quickly decided was like not really working out for me. Mm-hmm. Like you can't know what is going to feel right to your body at the time and what positions are going to be good. Right. Like not laboring me thinks, yes, I will labor for a while, kind of leaning on something and having you rub, you know, my back. This seems like a good idea to me. Mm-hmm. Laboring me apparently doesn't really find that to be all that useful. Mm-hmm. You know? So. Fair enough. But that's one of those things. It's just you can't know. So I think maybe to some people, standing up and kind of squatting just feels right. I think I would do it the way you did it. Just like maybe in in the the water. I mean, the water just feels right to me, but I'm like a water, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not like a water person like I like to swim a lot or anything, but I am a water creature by, like, astrological sign or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, who knows if that has anything to do with it? I think it could definitely have something to do with it. I think the hot water for me is, like, the way to go. Oh, yeah. But, um, I've done this twice, and I still don't understand it, but... The baby doesn't try to breathe air until it hits the air. I think something happens when with the temperature shift. Because that's my... Both times, my most highest anxiety point is in between the time when I start to see their head and when they're out of the water. But there's... Okay, so... You obviously are supposed to scoop them out of the water right away. I, I've but, seen it work twice, yeah. so I know it works. But, like, I mean, it's fine. Because, I mean, there have been people that have tried to, like, not scoop the baby out of the water and the baby has died. So, I mean, obviously, like, you you do need to get them out of the water pretty rapidly. But there is something that happens when, and as as far as I've read, it's the changing temperature Hmm. that triggers their lungs to, like, get going. Okay. I assume there's probably also some chemical stuff going on, too, as far as, like, them knowing that they've come out because the placenta is now starting to detach or something. You know, I'm sure there's some sort of thing going on with that, too, but I think it is a lot to do with the temperature change. Tells them, like, okay, commence with breathing suddenly, even though you've not apparently been doing this the whole time. Yeah. And also, like, from that moment until they're out of the water, I have no indication of how they're doing. Of how they're doing? At all, I feel like. Well, just because they seem kind of... Their color's not good yet. They come to light. I mean, you've seen it twice. I, I mean, twice that's now. one of the most amazing things when you see someone get their color. They just, like, like they fill just it go and... from just kind of being born to just but sort of... But when he's still, like, 
emerging and under the water. He's not... It doesn't look like that at all. I mean, I'm sure he's just focused on coming out. I know. But both of these two, I can't... We're both in attendance right now at the taping of the podcast, we should say. I mean, they're both very pink now, so... But yeah, I feel like when they come out... One that is very red? Yes. She heard you mention me. Oh. But... Yeah, I don't know. I think it's just, it's one of those things where there's just, like, amazing both chemical and, um, you know, temperature and all kinds of stuff reaction that happens that triggers them to start being, start living like someone on the outside versus someone on the inside, you know? Yeah. Because, I mean, I still don't understand how they're able to be alive at all before they start breathing, like, when they're living inside. Oh, yeah. But they are. I mean, somehow they're, I mean, they're getting oxygen through the blood that is traveling through the umbilical cord. But then they're always just like an organ in certain ways, right? Mm -hmm. Of your your body. Like you're feeding them with the tube. Basically, yes. Like you would any other organ. Yeah. I mean, I think, well, and I mean, people, of course, people try to speculate about how babies think about themselves and how you can measure a baby's sense of self, I feel like is a little bit questionable. But people do say that the baby doesn't actually think of themselves as being separate from you for, like, a while after birth. And it does make sense in that sense that it's like they kind of are just, like, a part of you. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways. <laughs> I mean, he's still kind of... <laughs> and, I mean, yeah, well, it's a, it's a transition. It's not like they are born and then suddenly they're totally separate. Like, he's still... He's, you know, venturing... Don't they call this the fourth trimester? Yes, exactly. And, I mean, he's venturing... Slightly further from me by, you know, sometimes being slightly separated from me. But he's generally still a part of me. Laughing at my hilarious jokes? Yes, like, he's laughing at hilarious jokes. Occasionally he'll agree to, like, sit in his swing for a little while and things like that. I give him this bottle. Yeah, and and he's, like, he's very hungry to, like, drink that with you, but... He was hungrier from the get-go. He was the hungriest. The hungry, hungry hippo? Yes, because he's the first baby that we've had who... Like, the, that was, like, the first thing that he said to me, like, when I, like, was first, like, holding him and looking at him. Mm-hmm. He smacked, like, the first thing he did was, like, well, he opened one eye. Well, that was funny, too, because, you know, some babies just, I think, keep their eyes closed for a while. Um, some babies open both eyes and look. Like, Lilac opened both her eyes and looked at me, and then she closed both eyes and then just, like, didn't open them again for a while. <clears throat> Whereas he just sort of immediately opened one eye and looked at me, but then he kind of kept that one eye kind of peering at me for mm-hmm. a while. But as soon as he looked at me, he just immediately, like, smacked his lips in a very, like, clear fashion mm-hmm. to tell me that he was hungry. And then he started, like, chewing on his fingers. So he was just... Some babies, I think, need some time after, you know, the big birthing experience to actually get hungry and think mm-hmm. about eating. But with him, it was just like, all right, I'm here. Ready to eat now, please. Right. Yeah. He was very ready. He was. I'm sure it, I'm sure, you know, people always talk about how, you know, physically draining the experience of giving birth is for the woman. I also think it must be very physically draining for the baby. Absolutely. He's doing a lot of work himself. And everything that I went through physically, while he didn't go through the same things, 
his entire body did, you know, not only is it like a huge shock to go from living inside to living on the outside, he did have to make that transition through the birth canal. And like, while I felt the contractions with my own body, I'm sure it's strange to have yourself being squeezed as you travel outwards, you know? You had so, that like cone head thing. Yeah, I mean, so I'm sure it's a lot. I'm sure, it was a lot for him too. He's, you know. He has a beautifully round head. Yeah, he says has. The like doctor even head. commented on it at his checkup the other day. Mm-hmm. Like his head is so, so nice and round. And big. You weighed him today. He's like very close to cracking into the eleven pound range. Which That's amazing. I have mixed feelings about it because I'm so happy that he's growing so well, and I think he only looks cuter like the fatter his face gets. <laughs> I'm always so sad to see, like, the clothes that I like get outgrown, though. He is bursting out of his newborn clothes. And some of them are so cute. Yeah. And some of them, like, we may never get to use again. True. And Although some of them are actually breaking. Like, this sleeper that he's wearing right now. The mouse sleeper? Yes. He's the he's our fourth child who's worn this, and it's not... We're not going to be able to, like, pass this down to anybody or save this or give it to anybody as, like, hand-me-down or anything. It's got holes in it. The zipper's missing. I think since the zipper came off is really, like, because before it just had a few little holes that weren't really a problem because they were not in areas that were super important or something, Mm -hmm. but now that the zipper's come off, I feel like it's it's really over. Seen a lot of action. It has. I mean, it's really, it's really done a lot for us. Mm Mm-hmm. But I get sad when the clothes have to be retired. But you have new clothes to look forward to that you're breaking into, right? Yes, I do need to actually dig. There's a big tote of clothes that I need to get to in our closet. I need to see what actually that we have so I know what gaps we need to fill in. Mm -hmm. I think the bigger he gets, the more new clothes he's going to need. Mm -hmm. Because we have... I mean, he's coming after two girls in a row. And... Some of the more newborny type clothes are more neutral, but I think the older they get, the more kind of specifically girly a lot of the clothing is. Yes. In a way where it's not going to, like, cross over well into a guy that is just even trying to be neutral. Right. Although, you know what? I am going to have him wear the leggings. Like, some of them, not all of them. Hmm. The leggings, which I think are technically, like, from the girls' department or whatever, but... Whatever. I've decided that leggings are the way to go for, like, small children pants. <laughs> soft soft pants? Yes. Well, jeans are just so unforgiving for, like, a small baby. I hate putting the jean shorts on the children because it's just always so crumpled up. You know what I mean? It's like, here, wear this ball of, like, denim. <laughs> sure. They're cute, though. They are jean cute. Jean shorts. Yeah, you're right. But for, like, a small baby, I think they just like soft clothes. Soft, you know? soft pants. Soft pants, or like even better, just one pieces. Like we're we're just all gonna be wearing the silver jumpsuit now, you know. Footy pajamas. I love the footy pajamas. A lot of the ones that we have coming up are like little like ladybug feet and stuff, though. That might be like going like a shade, and then, like they're not really unisex. Yeah. There was like a few that I can think of that'll probably work, but like mostly no. I see. Today though. You saw the ones I got today that have little toucans on them. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited about those. Those look good. And the lion ones I'm excited about too because that's kind of his like theme animal. We haven't even said his name. Have we not? Mm-hmm. He has a really good name. Do you want to hear? You can say it. Song from 
Little Mermaid? <laughs> no, because he's not actually named after that character. I just can't help but sing the song to him. It's not even really a song so much in the, in the movie, isn't it? Just sort of like, like somebody's a, like announcing it with like a trumpet or something. Like a fanfare. Like a, yes, like a fanfare. fanfare. But you could do it. I'm not going to sing on your podcast. I'm sorry. <gasps> Why not? I, I only sing for the children. I, I see two. I see two of them here. Yes, but at least one of them is asleep and the other one is not far behind. All right. First name, Sebastian. Second middle name, rather. Kingsley. Last name, of course, Burgess. We go mostly by Kingsley. We've Although, been trying to pepper in the Sebastian, too. I try to call... Well, I try to call him Sebastian sometimes, too, because he actually looks like a Sebastian to me. Mm-hmm. Like, doesn't he kind of look like a Sebastian? He does. And also, I want him to feel ownership of the middle name, because I feel like with some of our other kids, I realize that their middle names aren't very meaningful to them. Except for when I'm like, I'm Lord Blair Burgess. Yes, but hers is the middle name I use the most. Oh, absolutely. But, like, I had to convince Lilac that her middle name was actually her middle name, because she felt yeah. so, like, I just, I think I forgot to say it for, like, six months or something, and she kind of forgot about it, and then I used it, and she was like, that's not my name, and I was like, yes, it is, it's a lovely name, I picked it for you, she, like, she, like, laughed, she thought it was, like, I was just, she thought I was just, like, saying some random thing, like, just to, like, you know... Yeah, it's like uh, I was trying to tell Emerald why it was important to, like, when she's at tennis and she's trying to talk to people to, like, remember people's names. Yeah. And I was like, that's a skill you have to learn when you're, like, making friends. And she was like, why is that important? And I'm like, Emerald, how do you (laughs) feel about your name? And she's like, she thought for a second, she was like, it's the most important thing about me. I'm like, yes, I, a lot of people feel that way. But other people, yes, many people feel that same (laughs) sense of pride and ownership. Yes. But I want him to feel that sense of ownership of both names. Also because it was a close call for us as far as which one was going to be the first name and which was going to be the middle name and which one we were going to call him, you know, mostly. So I want him to feel... I want to have... I want to maintain the flexibility to go back and forth and I want him to feel the flexibility to go back and forth. So I want to make sure to call him both names. But we are mostly calling him Kingsley. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly because you got me the little crown charm jewelry when he was born. Yeah. That kind of pushed us over the edge a little bit to make the decision. I like it. Or maybe you had made the decision and that's why you got the charm. I don't know. We'll never know. Yeah. But also, I, I think we like that it's a little bit more surprising. Because I think that was our one hesitation with Sebastian was that it's so popular right now. I mean, it's popular right now because it's really good and people like it. But... I think we like to be a little bit edgier, maybe. I think we... It's definitely like Bledow. I think we enjoy... Shock value. Like, we think it's a lovely name, but I think we also enjoy (laughs) the slight chagrin that that the older generations felt when we revealed it to them. Hard pill for some to swallow. (laughs) My poor mom was like, I think that Sebastian is a lovely name. Like... Impl- implying that, but then you know what? She's come around a little bit. Oh yeah. Because I told her some of the other names that we had seriously considered, mm. and then she was like, "I'm appreciating Kingsley." Mm-hmm. I think when I told her that we had had Pilot on our like top ten list of like, uh, you know, when we narrowed it down considerations, she that that really turned oh, yeah. her. I also told her that you had suggested and kind of pushed for Exodus for a while, and 
She was like, I don't understand. <laughs> so, Movement of the people. Come on now. <laughs> I should have just played her a couple lines from that Bob Marley song. Yes, you should have. But yeah, I feel like those, those things to her were so disturbing, distressingly, disturbingly outlandish that I think it made Kingsley sound like, you know, pretty mundane to her. I don't necessarily think that to people of our generation, Kingsley is very, is that out there. It's, I got it's some like, very positive reactions from. I think it fits right in with people. the like standard like type of name that people like now. So it's not really that edgy. It's just I feel like to our parents, it's like <laughs> kind of wild, you know. My name is Robert. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So you're saying that your parents were not, like, they weren't really, like, heading for open water. My brother's name is Christopher. They, <laughs> they weren't really heading for open water when they picked your name. They were going with some tried These are, like, the number standards. eight and three <laughs> names of the years that we were born in. <laughs> Which are fine. I, I, our names are, are really fine. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason that names are like like popular. It's like they're likable. There's good association. No one was probably, like, mouth hanging open that yeah no one was like anybody pick those names well <laughs> you know mm-hmm. but I think that there's a certain contrarian streak that you and I have that kind of kind of wants that in a way that like slight yeah. slight ruffling of feathers you know but not in a way where it's like we're just trying to shock people it's like we like what we like and if no I mean when that, we when so, we first got pregnant right. We both said King. Mm-hmm. Remember when we like when we were talking? Like we both mm-hmm. were like King, and then we were kind of trying to figure out how to get to that because mm-hmm. I think we quickly realized that just naming him King Burgess would be like maybe like not quite what we wanted to do. And then we considered Rex at one point too, which I think is a lovely name, also. Definitely. But yeah, I'm, I'm very happy with his name. I love it, and I think it fits him really well. Definitely. But so that's why I've kind of used the lion as kind of his theme animal. Like, I think for each of our children, I kind of have like a theme, like in kind of various ways. Like, both like they, like all of, all of them, there's kind of like a color, and then also there's like different like animals and things that I, or, or symbols that I've associated with them. Mm hmm. But so, I mean, the lion obviously is the king of the jungle. Definitely. Even though actual lions kind of terrify me. Yeah. Like when we went to the zoo and we saw that daddy lion that freaked Lilac out. Yeah, she did not like him at all. She was like, that daddy lion was so mean. I think she just, I think she sensed the predator vibe from him and she was I just I think everybody like, could sense away. the predator vibe. I mean, he was he like, torn some off faces too. off if he'd gotten the chance. Yeah, like he definitely wasn't there to like, wasn't there not, to eat, not eat people. <laughs> He <laughs> came to do two things: <laughs> chew bubble gum and eat people. And he's all out of bubble gum. <laughs> right. It's funny that you say chew bubble gum, though, because I recently read Emerald. Um, that it's like a, one of those beginning chapter books. It's called My Father's Dragon, and in that, there's a guy that's trying to get away from a pack of hungry tigers. And he tricks them by giving them bubble gum to chew. Oh, man. And he tells them that if you chew, th- that it's magic gum, and if you chew it for long enough, because he's learned prior to this encounter that tigers love bubble gum. Hmm. So he tells them that it's magic gum, and if you chew it long enough, it will turn green, and then when it turns green, you can plant it in the ground, and it will grow a tree that will make you as much bubble gum as you want. Wow. 
So he gives the tigers the gum, and they're all busy chewing the gum and checking each other's mouths to see if it's turning green, and then he's able to, like, slink away and escape. Nice. But anyway, so it's funny that you would mention the, ti- the uh, lion chewing that is gum. That's funny. I didn't, I didn't yeah. know that one. Yeah, but, like, random association, like, from... Must have just been like somehow floating suspended in the air of our home. Because I mean, I seriously read her that book like last week. Weird. So yeah. I know that. That's also, by the way, a really bizarre book. What? My Father's Dragon. Hmm. I forgot how much I didn't like it until reading it a second time. Hmm. But I actually, I think I softened towards it. I actually disliked it slightly less than I disliked it originally. Hmm. It's one of these books, though, that everyone says that should you should read your kindergartner, like, <clears throat> your, like first chapter book. And I understand why in the sense that it's very short. Mm-hmm. And it's engaging to a child, I think, because it's, you know, it's a very exciting fantasy. It's like all these talking animals, and you go on an adventure, and there's, like, some, some mild peril, and then you get to, in the end, make friends with the dragon and fly away on its back. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I can see how all of that is, like, yes to children. The thing I don't like about it, though, is that it's one of these things where there's no real rhyme or reason to the plot. Like, it just kind of happens to you. Mm-hmm. Like, you just kind of go along, and you go along, and you go along, and you go along, and things just keep happening, and then finally the book is over. Yeah. But anyway, going back to Mr. Kingsley. <laughs> but yeah, he could have been a pilot, and that would have really knocked people's socks up. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't know what to do then. He really doesn't look like a pilot to me, though, so I don't really have any regrets in that. No. No regrets. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think we did well choosing the name. Yeah. It's fitting for him. It is. Good combination. Oh, yeah. Of course, people were also, I think, disturbed to learn where we got the name Sebastian from. <laughs> You uh, sent out... Okay, well, there was a popular thing on Instagram. I think it originally came from TikTok. But I don't do TikTok, so I just see these things, like, secondhand when they come to Instagram. Because I see the things that get so popular on TikTok that they They spread They spill over to the other social media platforms. So one of those things is a reel where you, like, show a picture of your child or your baby and then show what inspired their name. So I, for fun, made one before he was born, mm-hmm. but we didn't we didn't announce his name before he was born. So I just had like hints to what his name was going to be, but didn't like say what it was. And then I told a couple people in our families that I would give them like a prize to anybody that could guess like any part of his name from the hints. Which you seemed endlessly frustrated with people's inability to like. Well, it's one of those things where you don't really want people to guess too easily. <laughs> But then when it seems like people are... So far off the mark. Yeah, so far off the mark, you're like, not only do I not understand how you got that from the clues I presented you with, but also, like, who do you even think I am? But some people, obviously... There were a few people that came straight from the coast, and I mean, my sister... Mm -hmm. But of course it was my sister who would guess, like, one one piece of his name. Because, I mean, it's like, I could probably have guessed who would be able to guess. Just, Just based on, like, not... Just exactly how well they know me, but how well they know me in certain ways. Mm. Like, she knows me, but, like, really well, but also particularly in the sense of, like, having an understanding of, like, my thoughts about, like, pop culture and, like, 
mm-hmm. my taste in things. But, like, that's what I mean. There are some other people in our family that I would say also know me, but, like, apparently don't really understand my taste in things. Mm-hmm. Based on the names that they guess that are totally so far outside of my possible taste of anything I would ever pick. Right. I think people also don't understand my commitment to following simple rules that I make for myself. Like, because mm-hmm. I make complicated, I mean, and this is probably just how my mind works. I generally have. Kind of like the killer and scream. Yes. Exactly like the killer and scream. I have certain rules that I design for myself. I like patterns. I mean, we had four children. So I like, mm-hmm. I like, I wanted to make a nice little square. Um, but to me, like, following patterns is important. And I'll explain so- to someone the complicated but actually not hard to understand pattern that, I am attempt- that I'm following. But then they'll guess names that are totally outside of that pattern. Can you concisely in, like, 100 words or less... I mean, I'm not going to count the words, but I think I can. I think I can fairly concisely explain. I can explain not maybe the pattern, but the constraints that I was working with. Okay, so I believe that children's names within a sibling set should only match if there's another feature of them that matches. So, for example, you could use the same first initial for all of your children. But if you don't use the same first initial for all of your children, you can't just randomly use the same first initial for some of them unless it's like, say, you use the same first initial for all your boys but not your girls. Mm. Or the same first initial for all your girls but not your boys. So that's kind of a constraint I was working with. Um, so I wouldn't use any of our... I wouldn't use a matching initial with any of our girls, for example. Because mm. that's already been done. I also... Our girls' names do match. Because they're both colors. Mm-hmm. And... But our our oldest son's name is not a color. So there was no way that I was going to use a color name for the baby, who is a boy. Because mm-hmm. then it would be like, our oldest son is excluded from a group where everybody has matching names. Rather than, it's fine to me that the girls ha- are both a color if the guys are both not. You know what I mean? Right. Just as it would have been fine if the guys were both colors and the girls were not, or if everyone was a color. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yes. So just basically things like that. I mean, I don't think I had that many other constraints, did I? Um, didn't you have something with syllables? No, I think I was pretty open with syllables. I just happened to like mo- I happened to like longer names. But you have like a rule about like all the syllables have to be the same in the name, or they have to like. Oscillate in a certain way. Well, no, I think I just said that I didn't want to have matching. Like, I want the middle name to be a different number of syllables than the first and the last name, or something should be different just so there's so some two, kind three, of. Two. It, yeah, but not necessarily. I mean, because we have a whole mix. I mean, because we have mm-hmm. like we have like a two, three, two. We have like a three. One, two, we have a two, three, two, and then now we have, you know, Sebastian, is that three? Yes. So we got the three, two, two, two 
too. So, I mean, I'm fine with a mix. I just didn't want to do, like, one, 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 or, like, two, 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 or something. Hmm. Like, just, you know, I think there should be some, I think it's more musical if there's, like, some up and down. I w- that one's not one that was, like, incredibly important to me. The first initials and the general thematic matching. We've talked about the syllables before, though, I know. Yes, no, we did talk about the syllables. I think that was something that I cared about more the very first time we were naming someone. I do think that there is something to be said for, like... Okay, for example, we were just saying that we say Emerald Blair Burgess's name a lot. I think probably part of that is because it flows so well because she's got the three and the one. It's like the do-do-do-do, you know? Like, I think that's a good, like... But I feel like Deborah Lynn Burgess, I feel like my dad says when he's talking about... But that's because having that one... I think a one-syllable middle name does no, lend I, itself No, I know. I, I've noticed that. It lends it so, itself some, to people. Da-da-da-da. Yes. You know what I mean? That really, like, sticks... Yes. For people. Yeah, like it does, because, mm-hmm. like, I don't find myself saying, like, I like Georgiana Burgess. Yeah. Like, as much, which is, of course, why she doesn't fully acknowledge her middle name. I mean, she's... Georgiana's a beautiful name. It's quite a hill to climb sometimes to get it out of your mouth. It's a big name. Blair is like Blair. Exactly. It just snaps. Snap. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm still trying to sell you on his middle name, or his, not his middle name, but his, um... Nickname being Kings. I just don't know why it has to be a multiple <laughs> plural. I love names that end in S. And, okay, it actually makes sense on several levels because the S could stand for Sebastian. Okay. I can see that I've not gotten you there yet, but it will be. I see. Oh my gosh. Just took your glasses off. That's the thing. I'm going to have to get contact soon because my glasses are in grave danger. Mm. just going to rip them off my face. But, but no, I don't think I cared about the syllables as much this time. I think just those, like, the initials and the not, like, thematic crossing overs. But you know what I mean. So it's like I explain these rules to people, but then they would still be like, the baby's name will be Emerson. It's like it couldn't possibly be that. That doesn't fit your parameters. Well, it would practically be, that would be super weird, too, since we already have someone named Emerald. Like, it's not weird in the sense that, like, we actually did consider the name Emerson at one time for, like, you know, before we had an emerald. But it would be very weird to have an emerald and an Emerson unless those were our only children or unless all of our children's names started with E-M-E. I would never have someone's name have the same first three letters and then have someone else, like, randomly not matching at all. You know what I mean? That's awesome. That's all. Just, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. But still, yeah, most people were not able. Some people came a little bit close. Mm-hmm. I think people came closer to the like. I mean, people got the kind of the king thing, and then. I think my sister only finally got to Sebastian because I did tell her that even though he wasn't named after a Disney character, that he did share a name with a Disney character. Mm-hmm. I think that helped a lot. And then, oh, and then I think it finally sent her over the edge because I also sent her that um, that placebo song. Mm-hmm. You know, or is it placebo? Who who does sucker love? I think it is from the movie Cruel Intentions. Yes. 
I think that she finally was like able to Who's put together. main character or one of them is? It's Sebastian Valmont, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which that's like the first time I ever like noticed that name. Mm-hmm. But you sent a picture of the car that he drives as a clue that... I think people mostly thought it was going to be like a car related thing. Apparently like, like flew right over people's heads. <laughs> people were like, Jagger. I was yeah. like, this is not, you know... <laughs> Just know. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm very pleased with how, how this has turned out so far. Mm-hmm. As you said, you felt very fatherly this Father's Day. Yes, I really did. <laughs> the most the most fatherly you've ever been. Yeah. Just I've started noticing how many four people it is lately. Four is a lot of people. Well, I do think that, okay, four is like, you're not... Your family's not so big yet that you have to get, like, a special van. But it's big enough that... You go any bigger, though. It's, yes. It's, it's going to probably it's get right into... On, it, it's, that, it's, it's that in-between point. Like, you don't need a special van yet, but it's slightly bigger than a normal family of this, like, time and place. Like, I think, like, a reg- like people expect if you say like oh yeah we have kids people kind of expect that you have two or three kids mm-hmm. like in Indiana it's not unheard of to have four or five kids but it definitely is like You're veering into like the larger you have family. a big family yeah. not just you have a family yes but I think that's always kind of what I wanted was to have just like it's it just feels so much more intentional. Like, it's not just kind of like you just kind of, oh, yeah, sure, we had some kids. It's like you really, like, intentionally, like, grew this, like, group of people. Mm-hmm. I think I noticed it the day that everyone was crying at the same time. Which, that so was I feel a hard like, moment. <laughs> I feel like somebody's usually crying, like, well, he's one person, and I'm going to be used to that sometimes, too. You know, that happens. But, like, when it was, like, the stars aligned and, like, for different reasons, everyone was crying at the same time. That was that was a hard moment. I was like, yeah. Okay, it's like yeah, right, no, that was a lot, that, lot, yes. lot going on right now. Yeah, there was a lot going on. It's funny though because I go back and forth. There are moments when I feel like, wow, you know, four really is a lot of people. And then there's other moments when it actually doesn't feel like as many people as maybe I thought it would feel like. It's usually when everyone's like reading a book in a different corner of the house. Yeah, but I'm saying so that happens too. It's it not like everyone's yes. always crying. Sometimes like. The kids are like the big no, kids took, are quietly took reading, and Lila is like hiding time. behind a piano, like quietly playing or something. And yes, she's stolen something that we don't want her to have, but she's doing it very quietly, so she doesn't want to be caught yet. Sometimes, though, it's really something that we don't mind that she has, like she doesn't think a deck we'll of playing want. cards or like just like some random toy or something. Yeah, exactly. But no, I'm just saying there are moments when it's actually not as big of a family as, like, I imagined before would feel like. And then there's other moments when, yeah, it just definitely feels like there's a lot of us. Just when everyone needs something at the same time, I guess. Just when I look at everyone all at once, it doesn't feel like too many people, you know? No. But I've taught classes of, like, 30 kids before, so... I'm... That would feel like too many people to me, I think. It was. It was way too many people. So, like, four is, like, not actually that many when you think about it. Yeah, it's just, like, it's, I don't know, there's, like, there's so much potential in the universe. It's, like, these are just four distinct individual people that we get to have in our life. Mm-hmm. Very special. 
think I like it too because it's like it's a little bit decadent. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you just kind of go for the standard, I think that's fine. Like, there's no shade in you just having two or three kids or even one. Having four definitely feels like you kind of went for the extra. It's kind of like ordering dessert at a restaurant. Yeah. Like, it's like you weren't like, oh, no, I shouldn't. You were like, you know what? I think I will. Mm-hmm. It's like I recently saw something where there was a woman, like, doing one of those things, you know, on Instagram. And people are like, ask me anything. I, I I think we follow very different kinds of people, so maybe you don't know. No, I don't. A lot of people on who are on Instagram that are like Instagram like personalities, like as their business or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes when they're like, I assume this is when they like don't have a like good like scheduled post or something and just need something to like post to like fill their whatever. Will be like just ask me anything, so you can just like ask them questions and they'll answer. So mm-hmm. I saw somebody that did that the other day, and somebody asked her like how did you decide to have five kids? Because she has five kids. And she was like, well, I always wanted to have four kids, and then the fifth one was just like YOLO. Wow. And I was like, yeah, like, that kind of makes sense to me. It's like, like, but like I was saying, it's kind of like ordering dessert at a restaurant. It's like, you've you kind of gone for a little extra there. Mm-hmm. It's like, yes, I would like whipped cream on that. Yes, but they're very special. In their own ways. They are. They're, they're like definitely not one of those families where I, I assume that if you have a family where all your kids kind of look the same, somehow you can tell them apart. Mm-hmm. But the, these are definitely not like these are distinct children. Not just that they look different from one another, but I just mean like I feel like they're just very vibrant in their own special ways. Mm-hmm. And I, I hope that other parents feel that way about their kids too. But I do think that our kids have like a little extra power pack. Yes, they absolutely do. You like what Nylak was saying that Caraboose is coming? Yes. I keep meaning to look up and make sure we're pronouncing that name correctly. Carabas. Yeah, however it's pronounced. Carabas. You know, the bad, the, bad, the bad fairy that they turned into Maleficent when Disney made the movie of um, Sleeping Beauty, but the original one from the, you know, the ballet. Mm-hmm. She, she loves that story, and I think it's like... I think a lot of it is because the lilac fairy is the, like, ultimate hero of that story. hmm I think that's very, very pleasing to her for obvious reasons. She's like, I'm the lilac fairy. She wants us to know that it's her. It is. Well, it's like, that's, the lilac fairy is really the real main character of that story, and, like, the hero mm-hmm. who saves the day. Definitely. And it wears, like, a purple dress and purple's her favorite color, so it's it's all happening for that story, you know? Yeah. I watched that strange mermaid show. She said that her mermaid tail was going to be purple and it was very long. Oh, you mean when we watched that weird thing about the, like, actual, like, live people that do the mermaid shows? Yes. That was really bizarre. Isn't that strange? I didn't know before we watched that 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 was... Well, I mean, it doesn't really seem like a viable career option because none of those people were, like, make, turning a profit. Even the professionals in the, air quotes. I think I was sad when the people that were supposedly the best, like, elite ones in the world were all living in bunk beds in, like, a shared room together. I think that was what I got really sad and was like, this is not this is not a viable career. But I guess I was surprised that... I, I always thought that was the kind of job you would just fall into. Like, you're desperate... 
<laughs> you live somewhere where there's like an opening for that to be happening and you're good at swimming, so then it's just like what you're doing. You know, I didn't realize this is something that people would more have a passion for and aspire to do and like pour themselves into. Most of these people, I think, are actually losing money on this as a career. Like they're doing something else to finance. I mean, that the, guy makes them the tails for what, like several thousand dollars? Thousands of dollars for the tails, and then they're always getting, like, their weird health problems, like they're getting, like, the ear infections and the nasal infections and stuff, and it's just... And I think there's a lot of money, too, not just in the tails, but the whole costuming and everything, because, like, they all have their own sort of, they call it, like, a persona. Mm-hmm. I was also pretty stunned to find out that Merm... Is the gender neutral term for a murder person? Kind of like the they of. I guess I just didn't realize because I kind of thought it would just be like Merson or like Merfolk or something. I wouldn't have known that it was going to be Merm. Mm hmm. But, but yeah, she said that she was going to be a mermaid and have one purple tail. Mm hmm. And so now it will be our fault for letting her see that if she actually turns out to be. A person in her, in her adult life. Like, if we have to, like, subsidize her to, like, keep living in, like, a bunk bedroom with, like, a bunch of other merms, we're gonna have to, like, think back to this and be like, we never should have let her watch that documentary with us. Dude, then I'm gonna have to turn into the inverse of the father in The Little Mermaid, who's trying to keep his daughter from going to the service. Are you gonna be like... Ariel, you will have to <laughs> come back to land and start doing it normal Destroy her above ground grotto or whatever. Of like things right. from the sea. Yeah. <laughs> Being a merm actually sounds really unpleasant though because apparently you have to use like a lot of lubricant to get the weird silicone tail on yourself. Absolutely disgusting. And you're just like sweating inside there with all the lubricant. Like, yeah. Ew. You're just like swimming in like KY jelly, basically. Yeah, and, and that just seems disgusting. So uncomfortable. And then remember when they had to swim with the fishes and that one we got with Armia? Yeah. Well, I think the most undignified part of the whole thing is where you have to be either carted or carried out to the body of water. They try to finesse it by having the people that carry you to the water be sailors, kind of be on theme, but it always looks awkward. When there's just you in your tail and, like, they're wheeling you out in, like, a little wagon or carrying you to, like, lop you into the water. Mm-hmm. It never, it's never as glamorous as you hope it might be. No. And then there you are, just, like, swimming in your weird silicone tail, trying not to drown until you can, like, get out and shower. Yes. So, yeah, it seems really terrible. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why people, like, want to do it, not just, like, I, this is what I've been able to be doing to like survive but this is something that people are like I passionately want to do this and will invest all of my time and effort in making it happen yeah I don't think you can really call that a career is it not a career do you okay what do you think defines something as a career I think at least more money has to be coming in than going out <laughs> so you're saying that if you're actually doing some other side job I think you just have a very ex- career or if you're just doing your job and all the money is going back into just like Being doing do the career job. you think that's just a hobby I think it's a very expensive hobby 
I think that's probably fair. Like, I think and a career has to, like, at least turn... Even if, like, you have to, like, supplement it somehow. I think you'd still say you have a career, but, like, at least part of your income is in a positive plus sure. way. In this case, though, how much can we blame this on the idea that you should do what you love and then turn it into a job? Because, like, if people... That if works. that idea hadn't been imposed upon people so hard... Do you think that more of these merms would just be doing it as a hobby instead of trying to have it be their career? Yeah, I mean... Like, maybe they could just enjoy doing this, like, on the weekend on the and, like, just <clears throat> admit that they're doing something else for the rest of their time. By the same token, I do think a lot of at least the modern ones seem to be doing this in conjunction with the social media presence or a, like, YouTube presence or yes. some sort of, like, influencer... They still did not seem like they were turning a profit, though. No, absolutely not. But I'm just saying, like, I think the mentality is, like, this will mean My attention. My will somehow make... Well, I mean, that one, the Merm, had, like, a whole song and... Yeah, but unfortunately his song was not that good. It was not good. I feel bad saying that, though, because, like, I... I he's, he passionately, like, wanted to do it. It's just, like, I think he believed speaking, that with all his heart, and I think it was still terrible. Speaking, not only was his song not good, but he, like, wasn't that good at, like, the presentation of the song. Yeah. It was just, it was not very good. It, and I was kind of sad for him about, like, how bad it was, considering, like, how much time he has, like, spent developing it. Yeah. I also like how they have that, like, competition at the end of the show that's, like, on a strange cruise, but it's, like, were the people watching this show just random people that took a cruise and it was like this they were like there were other people and entertainment (laughs) will be provided on the boat and then you get there and it's like a merm competition for netflix or something (laughs) it's like like, what have i walked into here maybe there are other entertainments i think sometimes there's like different entertainments that you can choose it just didn't seem like the entire cruise could possibly be based around this just merms you think some of these there can't be enough to like fill out a whole cruise there's no way Although it did have merms from like around the world, it did. But the cruise ships are much bigger than cruise ships are really big. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. I'm sure there were some regular people that were just like, "What's even happening here?" Oh, the mini golf is closed. It what seems should like we do now? Thematically, like it kind of makes sense though. You're yeah. on a ship. It's a merm competition. Like, sure. Yes. Also, no. Yes. No. But no, I just think like people always press that idea of like and i i'm trying really hard to like fight against our kids developing that idea like you do not need to find what you love and then turn that into your job like no Mm -hmm. like if you like to paint maybe that could just be something that you enjoy doing yeah or crochet or like you know make lampshades or like whatever it is that they like to do don't turn that that you Yes, find a career that you find fulfilling and that includes aspects that you enjoy. But don't feel obligated to turn We don't turn everything. Like I think if you actually want to be a painter as your career, yes, do that. Don't but that's different than being like, I enjoy painting, so I will make it my career. Make it your career if you're like I want to make painting my career. Not because you're just like, well, I love doing this, and so I must want to make it my career. Mm-hmm. You see, I, I don't know if I'm explaining the difference in my thought. Either. Yeah. Because I know some people that are artists that love what they do, and I think that that can be really great. I just don't think that 
even they have things that they do when they're not doing their art that are just hobbies. Mm-hmm. And that's healthy. Yeah. You know, like, it's healthy to have stuff that you do that's just for fun. Mm-hmm. So, yes, like, maybe being a merm would be better as a hobby than as a actual career choice. Although that one guy really seems... Or one merm so it seems to really be making it their entire thing, but... I mean, I think most of them were. Like, they were very... I mean... Some of them, I assume, they have other lives that they didn't obviously show in the documentary, but some of them really did seem like they'd kind of built their whole thing around it. I'm just saying you shouldn't feel like you have to do that just because you like something. It shouldn't have to be your job. Yeah. Especially something like that that seems terrible to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure maybe if it seemed less terrible, I would think it was a better idea. But... Like, I do not want to drown. I do not want to, like... Have my legs be constricted in gelatin underwater. Well, but it's just like the same thing. With I don't like want to open my eyes or do tricks or go upside down. I don't want to breathe through one of those weird hoses. Yeah, no, it, it all looks terrible. But I mean, it's like, okay. I want to go through the tunnel. Our, our big kids are taking tennis lessons now. Yes. If either of them ends up liking and being really good at tennis... That doesn't mean that they have to want to become a professional tennis player and have that be their job. They could just enjoy doing tennis. Mm-hmm. You know? Definitely. Just as the merms could just enjoy being merms on the weekend. They don't have to want to merm professionally. <laughs> Good, because there's really not that much merm work out there. Have you ever been somewhere where there actually was a merm performance going on? Well, the only... Morrences that we see during the show are at that one guy's tank that he installs in his like tail factory. What was that place called? Well, his name was Mur Taylor. The Mur Taylor. His name was Taylor. <laughs> and, and I guess at that casino. But I don't know, like I just mean, oh, and what Wiki Watchy Springs or whatever. I've never gone anywhere where. It was like, and now these. And that one child's birthday party, tragically. That's what I'm saying. Like, I've never gone to like a birthday party and suddenly there's a mermaid. In the back of that jazzercise water aerobics class where they like got to like punch into the water only during the time when they had like the class, but they couldn't interfere with the class. (laughs) That was a performance. I think that was just the. They wanted to. It was a performance slash like. I think that was just like. Sidling. Yes. Like fine, you can have this one edge of the pool. But if you, but if you, but if you need help, you gotta call someone else. We're not responsible for you. You're so sweaty. Should we put the high ceiling aside? Are you getting hooked? One thing that I never stop being amazed by is how, when you have a new baby, your other kids look so much bigger suddenly. Mm-hmm. Like our three-year-old just looks massive to me now. She's huge. But I know that's just comparatively, because I know, like, three years from now, when I look at pictures of her as a three-year-old, I'll be like, oh, she was so tiny. Like, now she just seems so, like, tall and so thick and so, like, capable. Yes. But as, like, the father in a birthing situation, do you have any thoughts about, like... Because I was saying, like, you know, from my perspective, like, how it's, like, kind of a mental game and stuff, but, like... As the person on kind of a different side of the table or whatever, what are your thoughts? <laughs> about what? Just about, like, kind of going the birthing experience. I wasn't, like, 
I mean, of course, I was, like, aware and attentive and, you know, at a heightened state, but I guess maybe since it had happened before, I I wasn't that... I wasn't that out of my element, you know, I, I felt like I was, like, pretty much confident in how everything went, you know, and how, how I proceeded. Like I said, the only the only time of stress is, is the moment in between you first see it happening and when they come out of the water, but other than that, I, I didn't have any concerns at all. He was very hungry right away, so I knew he was fine. Yeah. But you did tell me I had to finish pushing him out when I said I needed to take a small break. I wasn't gonna <laughs> put you on blast like that. But... <laughs> no, but I think that that's good, because, I mean, it's like, that was what I needed from you in the moment when I was like, I'm too tired to do this, I'm just not gonna do this anymore, you're like, no, you really have to do it. I mean, there really just wasn't a choice. It just had to happen. <laughs> I don't remember. Do you remember what exactly did you say in that moment? Because I remember that I was like, okay, I'm done. Yeah, I think I think you got... The head was out. He was to the side. I couldn't see his face. He was still underwater. Um, his shoulders were not, of course, out. Because, of course, when the shoulders come out, then it all just kind of like... Yeah, then it's just... Everything out. comes very quickly after that, but... It's kind of that moment where it's like the base of the neck is kind of sticking out and the, the shoulders are still to come. I had just pushed. I, I feel like I just. No, I, you were, you had given. I, I just. A in lot that moment, I felt like. Up I had until done, then. I had used all of my. I mean, obviously, I hadn't, so that I, you know. I watched him on, emerge partway through the birth canal and everything, you know. In that moment, though, it just felt for just for that beat like I had done everything that I could possibly do. I mean, what did I say? I think I was just like, all right, I'm done. Yeah, it was, it was pretty final. You were like, no, I'm, I'm, I can't do anymore. I'm done. And I was just like, no, I think you got to keep going. I think just, no, you can definitely keep going. But that's what the birth partner is there for. Yeah, it's just we can't. <laughs> we can't <laughs> like, stop right, here. We can't stop now. This is backcountry. Like, We've got to keep gotta going. Out. Yeah, this is all gas, no brakes, you know, at but this that's point. Where, you know, I felt like we worked together well in that moment. Like, yeah. in that moment, like, that was, like, that was what I needed for you to just be like, And oh, you did. Okay, and you got the placenta out soon after, too, so. I mean, I think some part of me knew that I was going to have to continue, but it just, like, in that moment, it just didn't seem possible in that one second when I was like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> it's like, I, no. No, it's too much. No, you gotta keep going. <laughs> <laughs> but he was fine. He looked good. It's just interesting, you know, do you ever think about what it's like to be the other person? Like, I'll never know what it's like to be in the birth scenario, but, like, not the actual birthing person, but instead, like, the partner... Just as you'll never know what it's like to actually be the birthing person, as your as your birth book said. <laughs> they were trying to be very, very inclusive in the newer edition of the book that I was reading. Before. I appreciate that, that they just refer to the birthing person as the birthing person. Well, I think they co-wrote the revised edition with the younger co-author, who I believe suggested the edits or whatever. Well, that way you leave it open to any sort of a whatever who could happen. Birthing. Yeah, exactly. But still, I'm just saying, like, do you ever think about what it's like to be the birthing person? Yeah, and, you know, in certain ways I would trade, and in certain ways I wouldn't, you know. I think it's 
got to be amazing to be the person first that grows the person and then goes through that process of putting them, you know, out into the world. But at the same time, you didn't really get to see it from my angle and you didn't get to like lift him out of the water and you didn't get to, I mean, I guess you could have knocked me out of the way and lift him out of the water if you wanted to, I suppose. (laughs) But you know what I mean? It wasn't like you got to be someone else experience it outside of yourself. Exactly. Like it's just essentially so different from either side, you know? Yeah. And yet at the same time, it's like this experience that we've shared that's so, you know, so specific to us Mm -hmm. as far as like us together doing that specific birth, you know? Oh yeah. It went very well. Oh, definitely. Very pleased with the outcome. Definitely. But I feel like we should put a pin in our conversation because I feel like we've I wanted to talk about that. Do we want to And we started talking start about the Mur thing. Do a separate I'd like to maybe do another episode coming up about the all the pop culture because we finished We've read a couple Yellow books. Jackets, yes. we finished Fatal Attraction, we finished a couple different books that we both read. We should definitely like do you want to post those as a separate episode because I think we have a ton to say about those and it's a really very different topic. Yeah, and we talked a little bit about the Mur show, but I think the Mur show fits with this episode though because we did have a water the, birth. Yeah, very good. Yeah, I always call it like my mermaid because she was born in the water, but I mean. Sebastian was too. I mean, he has a very you know watery name. Also, with the Little Mermaid, that's another thing we see. But that's could why I wanted about. to clarify that he's not named after the Little Mermaid character because I feel like that mermaids and although mermaid I'll tell you what, when the statistics come out for this year, but you know that it's already Sebastian. climbing though. It's already climbing. Like Sebastian's, like I think, like but. number. It's like. To- it's top twenty. Already. It's going to be even higher after this, though. It's got to be. Or will this? tamper it down why mermaid it's so hot right now mermaids are hot right now but like sometimes sometimes something helps bolster something and sometimes it like tampers it down i think that it was hot right now partially because think about how old we were when the original little mermaid came out Mm -hmm. like all the people having kids now remember the original little mermaid from when they were kids Mm -hmm. also you know it was just its time also, cruel intentions, you know, there's there's a lot there's a lot going for there's a lot of reasons. Also, I think it thematically it fits with other names that are similar to it that have already become overexposed. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's like if you already named someone Theodore, where else are you going to land you and if for some reason you didn't want to name someone Henry, it's like where where could we turn? Yeah. Maybe to Sebastian. But by that same token, Ariel. No. Not coming back? No. No? It might get a tiny bump, but it's not coming back right now. Ariel, I bet, got a bump back during the original. Maybe, but I think there were, like... Probably not Ariel. When I was, like, in high school, I knew a couple girls named Ariel. I did, too. But I have not met any children named Ariel in the last, like, 20 years. So I, I think it's... I think it's not not happening. Fair enough. But not Ursula. 
Even though I think Ursula is an underrated name. Ursula the Wind. Yeah. Just generally, I think Ursula is cool. And there, how many names start with U? It's kind of like Q or X or something. Like it's like it's going to be distinct just in that there's not that many names that start with that letter. And I think that's nice. Isn't a bear an ursine? Yeah, I think Ursula does mean bear. Which is kind of funny for a name of a water creature. Right. But, but anyway, so I think the mermaids are fitting for this episode, but I do think we should separate out to talk about yeah. all the books that we've read, especially since they're about, like, scary parenthood. Yeah. So people who are listening to this, assuming this one comes out before that one, should definitely look for the next one. Yes. Because it's also going to be very good. Also, you just read that, um, or are reading that private school book, too. Yeah, so, I mean, we can talk about that, too. Although I haven't got to read that yet. <laughs> but, should we just, like, click this and then... Do you want to film the other one or do you want to wait? Uh-huh. Uh-huh.